0: Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer. It's good to be here with y'all. As you know, you're as a church, you've supported us as missionaries. We've been living in India and Cambodia. And uh, we, we love to just share Jesus Christ with all peoples of the world. And I want to tell you a story today about how God has transformed people. God transforms cultures. And uh, we spent 10 years in India. But before we were sent to India, I was just, I'm just a nobody from Kansas City, Kansas. You know, Wyandotte County, part of the city, you know? I'm from there. And I'm just a nobody from KCK, and I came into our church, you know, back in the 90s, and our, our church was a little bit on the other side of town towards the east, and Pastor Sam Miles was the college pastor, you know? And I was just, I was the janitor of the church, you know? I was just the janitor. And, uh, and so God had a calling on my life for India, but I was single, I, I wasn't married, you know? And when I was sent out to India as a missionary, I found my wife on the mission field, you know, Bethany's here with us today And if you have any questions today After I'm finished with our talk You can come up and talk with me We'll be here Tuesday night prayer And Beth and I are coming to the retreat this weekend Alright So we'll be, we'll be one day late But we're showing up on Friday and, uh, and so Beth is here I met her in India Is there anyone here from India today? I see one here India Who else is from India? Ah, we got two here I thank God for India, huh? I love India because God sent me to India and then God brought my wife to India, you know? So thank you for my wife, you know? Because when I was praying to God for a wife, I, God says, go to India single, you know, and come back double, you know? And so, uh, but we met each other on the mission field. That we, we planted three different churches in the slums of Mumbai in the Chal Systems, and then we helped, I discipled Pastor Pradeep, and we sent him to Orissa, and we helped Pastor Pradeep start churches in the villages of Orissa. And Pastor Brandon's been out to help us teach the pastors out there. And then God gave us the privilege. We, we made a lot of mistakes. We tried to love the people of India. Sometimes we would make mistakes. But God would always pick us back up and give us more chances. And God gave us a chance to help Pastor Rajan started an orphan home in Kathmandu, Nepal, called the Grace Family, that the, the Graylin 5K supports the, the Hope family in Nepal, and then we helped Pastor Pradeep start an orphanage in Orissa. So we're, we're dying to get back to India to revisit our, our precious believers there, the people that we've loved for so long, and so pray for us that we get a chance to go back to India. So while, while we're waiting to get back to India, here we are with you. We like hanging out with you all. And I want to share with you an important teaching today in the book of Colossians, okay? In Colossians chapter 1, it says, Who now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I fill up which is behind and lacking in the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. We suffer and rejoice to tell the news of Christ to those who have not heard. And so this is... The key message today is I'm going to be showing lots of different truths to you today is that we suffer so that the church can grow. We suffer, but we rejoice at the same time. Have you ever had that experience where you're suffering, but you have joy at the same time? Isn't that incredible that only a person who knows God, if you know that God loves you, that God loves you just as you are. God accepts you in Jesus Christ, and you come to him with nothing, and he gives you everything, grace, forgiveness. You're accepted in Jesus Christ. Then you're ready. You have the equipment to suffer to help other people. Each one of us have a calling today to suffer as a missionary. Every one of you, is, God's called you to be a missionary. And you can go anywhere and be a missionary. But this is God's call, that through you, your life will be transformed by love, and you will transform others by the love of Christ. And you'll, you'll get to join in Hebrews chapter 11, and you'll get to join in Acts chapter 29. How many of you have read Acts chapter 29, which is going to be my scripture today? Acts 29, actually today I would say we're on Acts chapter 537, probably. <laughs> but let's start with Acts 29 first, okay? We'll be the heroes of faith let's go to the next picture. I'm going to give you today clues of God. You see, there are many people who doubt that Jesus Christ is the only way because there are many religions. Jesus Christ is not a religion. Amen? Jesus Christ is God who is reaching to us as a friend and we have a friendship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus. It's a a relationship. It's not a religion. Jesus is the only way. But Can I give you today? I'm not going to give you absolute proof, but I'm going to give you a clue. I'm going to drop a clue. I'm going to drop several clues to you today. Because one clue is when sinners are forgiven and redeemed by God, not only they start loving their neighbor, that's good, but then with God's love, they start loving their enemies. Can you believe that? When someone starts loving their enemy, only Jesus could do that. Only Jesus could produce that in someone. There's no other religion or guru or there's no humanist that could produce that. There's no atheism or evolution that could not produce because evolution is survival of the fittest. We don't believe in evolution because we believe in grace. We believe in love. There's no love in evolution. amen? Amen. We believe in love. If you want to believe in evolution, you might as well give up on love huh? because love causes you to what? so transformed by the love of God you start loving your enemy and then you're willing to die so that your enemy can receive the grace of Jesus only Jesus can produce this that's a clue that Jesus is the only way the truth and the life next picture so we went to India and I want to just introduce you quickly what God did in India Uh, next picture we worked with Pastor Ganesh and his wife Sindhu next picture and this is one of our churches that we started, you know? So I, I, uh, I brought, Brandon got to see some of this. Some of y'all have been over there. We open up shop in a, something like the half size of your garage, right? And you just open up that garage door and you, people live in that building. And then they have church in that building. And so you see how receptive the people are, praying in the name of Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ would forgive our sins. At, this is the invitation at the end. And so people just cram in, because we're having church in the public. We're, we're, we're bringing the love of God to where the people are, not expecting them to come to where we are, but going to where they are. Next picture. And then we disciple Pastor Pradeep. He's in the Arissa villages, next picture. And this is the, the biblical discipleship translated into the Arissa language. Uh, you all have the biblical discipleship, amen? We've got it translated into Hindi and Aris already. It's, if you all want to come over, I think they're translating in the Telugu very soon. If you all want to come over to India, you all can teach discipleship. The, the material's already translated, okay? You're ready to go. Next picture. These are some of our, our students that Pastor Brandon has taught when he came to help teach these pastors. Next picture. And there's sweet Bethany. You know, you ladies would be overjoyed to wear Indian garments, these this dresses that they have here, the kurtas and things like that. Um, in, Indian clothes are the most beautiful in the world, amen? Like women, women are so modestly beautiful over there, amen? Next picture, with Pastor Rajan there in Nepal, preaching on the rooftops of Nepal. Next picture, the orphans. You know, I want you to to make friends with the orphans over there. You know, adopt them as a brother or sister in Christ. Next picture. And this is this this is LFBI India, right? This is like, I got to teach in our LFBI Bible Institute, and these are my students. All right. Now this is about ten years ago. So every single one of those students today has already been planting a church in North India. Now the guy the guy that has the 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 A bunny ears above my head. Yeah. He's in Bangladesh, right? He planted a church in Bangladesh. Some of those guys have planted a church in Rajasthan. These guys are in Gujarat, uh, in Derudan, Uttar Pradesh. All of the northern states of India, they have churches. And every single week, they're on the phone with me saying, when are you going to come back? And I say, I'm going to come back, but I'm going to bring some... uh, Kaya people with me, amen. You know? I'm waiting for some Kaya people to come with me to India. And so next picture. So this is what I got today. I brought to you guys some books. All right? And Bethany's laughing because of all my books. Because she knows I'm a bookworm. And I I do have a Kindle, but I prefer this, amen? So When we travel overseas in our luggage, you can imagine, right? Bethany has three bags of of clothes and other stuff, and I have one big bag of books. (laughs) And so, India, the Grand Experiment by Vishal Mangawadi, an Indian author, right? An Indian from Uttar Pradesh, Vishal Mangawadi, is writing that India is one of the greatest experiments as a social laboratory. So have you imagined this? That if you want to imagine... What teaching, what philosophy, what truth, what uh, social experiment can be done to show you that when you put all the different religions together, what do they produce, you know? India is a great example of that because India has always been Hindu for years, right? They have the Jain religion, the Sikhism, but then the Muslims, the Muslims ruled India for three, four hundred years in the Mughal Empire, and the Buddhists, of course, Buddhists from India. And the Buddhism was really big in the times of Ashoka. And what did Buddhism produce in India? And then, and then of course, the Christians have been in India since the time of St. Thomas, right? When did Thomas go to India? Right after Jesus rose from the dead. So the people of India have had Jesus Christ from the very beginning because of St. Thomas. And I have been to the place where St. Thomas was killed on a hill in Chennai, just outside the airport, you can stand on a hill, see where Saint Thomas was killed the, the bi- biblical thomas that that experienced Jesus Christ in the Bible. he was killed in Chennai right next to the airport, but the airport wasn't there at the time, you know um, so So India has had Jesus Christ since the beginning, and the, the the love of Jesus Christ has transformed India. You see what what's happened in India the the blessings of Jesus and what he's given the Indian people, you know? This book will document it. Now, this is not a white guy talking about This is an Indian guy talking about India. Uh, This Vishal Mangawadi is a guy who lived in the poor villages of Uttar Pradesh and helped the farming system and helped the people uplift from poverty. And he loved the people in the name of Jesus Christ. Whether they were Hindu, Buddhist, or Muslim, he loved them all. And many people turned to Jesus Christ. And next picture. Uh, and then we went to the grave of William Carey. And William Carey was there to translate the Bible. And did you know that many of the Indian languages were... Uh, there, there wasn't a lot of books in the Indian languages 400 years ago. There was, it was a lot of oral languages. And so when the Bible was translated into different mother tongues of India, William Carey there, we, we went to his grave north of Calcutta. Bethany laying the flowers at his grave. He, you know what? William Carey, someone needs to make a hip-hop musical about William Carey. You know? Huh? William Carey. Huh? India's waiting for you. Right? Because William Carey lived at the exact same time as Alexander Hamilton. Right? He did, but Alexander Hamilton, what did he produce, right? I mean, a lot of the things we have in America, but William Carey produced the love of Jesus for the whole world, you know? He produced Bible translation that transformed cultures, and William Carey had a much more exciting life than Alexander Hamilton, you know? So uh, next picture, yeah, this book here. Uh, another Vishal Mangawadi writing about William Carey and the change that he brought to India, right? I mean, one example was when, when, a, when a husband would die and a widow was grieving the death of her husband, many times she was required to throw herself on the funeral pyre, and there was it was called sati, and, and some of the women would have to die with uh, burned alive because their husband had died. And so they believe in reincarnation. You get to reincarnate, right? Which we know is not true because the Bible says we die and we go to God. But if we rejected God, we can't be with God, right? And so William Carey put a stop to that. It's because of William Carey. William Carey working with some of the Hindu Renaissance scholars to get the government to stop the evil practices of the day. And that's just one example of many other examples that he changed in India. Next picture. And then we have, let there be India. You know how in the book of Genesis, God says, let there be light. And there was light. And let there be, God speaks the word and the, it comes into existence. Did you know that before, before Christians were able to influence India, there was no India Huh? Have you ever thought about that? In What was India? It was a lot of different kingdoms, a lot of different Maharajas, different languages. And sometimes you could travel from one village, go about an hour this way to another village, and they could not understand each other's dialects because the, there was no standardization of languages. So this book is written by Babu Vargis, Babu Vargis from South India, And he's a professor in a school in Nagpur. And he proves that every single language of India has been standardized by Bible translation. After the Bible came in that language, then other books came, and then education came, and then hospitals, and then technology and development. So the Bible was the source of every development that came in India Anything good. Now, there was a lot of bad things that came into it as well. Like, there were a lot of evil, greedy capitalists from Britain who uh, abused the people of India, right? And they, they rejected Christ. They were not Christians. And if they didn't repent, they're in hell today because of what they did to the Indian people. But after some of the evil, greedy British came to dominate India, those people died. That, that generation died off, those evil people And the next generation of British Christians had a love for India, wanting to develop India to be her own nation. And you know what? Before the Christians were in India, there was no India. But after after all of that, enduring all the trials through the history, now behold, there's India. There's the languages of India and books. Because of Bible translation, let there be India. Next picture. One example is in Orissa where we took Pastor Brandon, and some of you have taught the Bible in Orissa. The people of Orissa, did you know that they were despi- their language was despised by the Bengalis, right? The Bengalis had an attitude up in Calcutta. The Bengalis said, those Orissa people, the Aria language, is a corruption of our Bengali language. So the Bengalis said to the British, don't give them education into the Orissa language. They're, they're a lower people. They're a corruption and their culture. And so let's not develop the Aria people, but let's let the, the Bengali dominate over them. But you know what? A Bible translator trained by William Carey went there named Amos Sutton. And Amos Sutton translated the Bible into the Aria language. And he loved the Aria people in Bubaneshwar, in Cuttack, even in the midst of Juggernaut and all the crazy things with the Juggernaut temple. And he loved the people, brought them to Jesus Christ. The people were transformed, they were saved. And you know what happened? All of Orissa got uh, books in their language, the Bible first, and then other books. And then they got education. And then the British were looking at the Orissa people saying, ah, look, the language of the Aria people, there's the Bible, there's the books. Let's give them education in the Aria language. Let's preserve the Orissa state people so that they could have their own identity separate from the Bengali, separate from Chhattisgarh. And the other sections they're next to, right? And so the whole state of Orissa would never exist if it was not for Amos Sutton, who you've never heard of before, right? Most, most people in Arissa have never heard of this guy. And so when we teach the Christians in Orissa, many of the Hindus are killing Christians in Orissa today. And I, I say to the Christians, hey, listen, if it were not for the Christians, there would not be a state of Orissa. Christians love the state of Orissa, they love the culture of the Aurea people. And we love it so much that we preserved it so you wouldn't be dissolved into the other states. Right? Next picture. And so we have uh, the gospel and the plow. A man named Sam Higginbottom went to Princeton University in the 1800s. Princeton University was the LFBI of the day. Right? Because Princeton University was a Bible college that you went to be trained to be a missionary. And Sam Higginbottom Was trained in Ohio State University after that in farming, and he went to India in the 1800s. He discovered that India has some of the richest soil in the world. But during the 1800s, they were doing a survey of every single nation in the world China, Brazil, all the different rich soils of the world, and they found that India was next to last in the production of their farming. And Sam Higginbottom brought them the development of their farming. And he was, he, Sam Hickenbottom came. He said, I want to tell India about Jesus Christ. And the people of India said, that's great. You want to tell us about Jesus Christ, but we're dying of famine. Do you care for our bodies first? And he said, yeah, I want to love you so much. Even if you never come to Christ, I want to teach you farming so that you don't have famines. So you don't worship the river, but you dominate the river. Amen. Because Genesis chapter 1 says Adam and Eve were created to dominate nature to be an engineer i want to teach you engineering huh everyone here if you anyone here study engineering who is the first engineer god right <laughs> you know that's one of the another proof another clue that god is the true god because this universe takes a lot of engineering doesn't it yeah. there's a mind behind the universe engineering everything And when you study engineering, you're in the image of God. And that's what he did. He taught India how to farm, and then then India started producing and becoming one of the greatest uh, producers of of the farming system. Next picture, Uh, Amy Carmichael. And so this lady was a single woman, and she went to South India, and she found there were a lot of girls being kidnapped into temple prostitution. And these girls were being brought into the South Indian temples near Madurai and and Tamil Nadu. And she, you know what? the, The precious story of her life is when she was a little girl, she was praying to Jesus. She had a relationship with Jesus as a young girl. And she prayed one night. You know how little kids have this simple faith. And she said, dear God, if you're really real, Jesus, I know you love me. And when I look at my face in the mirror, I have black eyes. I have brown eyes. And all the pretty little girls have blue eyes, right? And so Amy prayed a prayer one night. Jesus, when I wake up tomorrow morning, I want to have blue eyes. Because I want to be like the pretty little girls, right? Amy woke up the next morning and still had the brown eyes, right? And she was angry at God. Saying, God, why did you not answer my prayer? Because a little kid has faith that God would answer the prayer. She found out later when she went to India because she had to disguise herself, sneak into the, the temples and rescue those girls who were temple prostitutes. And if she had the blue eyes, right, she would have been found out. But because she could look like an Indian and sneak into the temple with the brown eyes, she was able to rescue girls from hell. That's the love of Jesus that transforms people. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about love. Next picture. Uh, The book that made your world. So Vishal Mungawati writes, hey, listen, everything about Western civilization that you learn in university today is humanistic, hedonistic, because they've rejected the Bible. And so... We have an Indian today, like a C.S. Lewis, like a Francis Schaeffer, an Indian stepping forward and saying, hey, the book that made your world, the Bible is the soul of Western civilization, but the Western civilization has cut off their soul. And an Indian is here to preach to the West. Vishal Mangawadi, a guy from the villages of Uttar Pradesh, to show America to turn back to the Bible. All right, next picture. So then you have church history. You get into the story of missions, and you have a book called By Patience and the Word. And this is our example, as God is calling us today to be missionaries. When you look at the Moravian church, who comes from Jan Hus and the Hussites, and John Hus came from John Wycliffe, and Wycliffe came from the Lollards, and the Lollards came from the Waldensians. And look what happened. Next picture. The the Moravian church in 1722 were a group of persecuted Christians in Europe next to the Czech Republic in Prague. And they all got together at Count Zinzendorf's property because the Catholic church was persecuting them. And they gathered together to worship God. But they all came from a different background, a different nation, a different language. And they were not getting along. They They were jealousies, like I'm better than you, my culture's better than you. So what happened? After brokenness and humility, and unity, they started a 24-hour prayer meeting in shifts. And the prayer meeting lasted 100 years. And so what they would do is say, hey, you pray from 8 o'clock in the morning until about noon. And then you pray from 12 noon until like 6 o'clock in the afternoon. And then your turn is the evening shift. And so this was legitimate prayer. This was not a rock and roll prayer. You know, this was a legitimate prayer of calling out to God, reading the Bible, calling out to God. And then they received missionary stories. There was a a freed slave who came to their church and he was freed from the West Indies where they play good cricket today, you know, the West Indies team. And so in the West Indies, This black freed slave came to the Moravian church and he reported... He showed the scars on his back from the whippings. He said, I've been freed and I've come to know Jesus Christ. And he begged with the Moravian church, would you please send missionaries to my people in the islands who are slaves today? They need to know Jesus loves them. And so Leonard Dober volunteered to be a slave in the West Indies, the Caribbean islands as a missionary, in order to reach the African slaves. Now, this is a clue for you today. Where else have you heard someone willing to do something like this outside of Jesus' love, Jesus Christ, transforming a person so much that he went, he saw where the slaves were, and the government would not let him in the country, right? They said, if you want to come to this country to preach Jesus Christ, you have to be a slave, You have to volunteer yourself. If you want to reach the slaves, become a slave. And he said, sign me up. huh?" Where's the LFBI class for that? Right? Sign me up. Right? And he led people to the love of Jesus Christ on the islands of slavery. And that's, many of them are Christians today in that area of the world. The Moravian Church said, may the Lamb of God receive the reward for his suffering. That was their motto. That should be your motto today. Huh? How about LFBI getting a motto? Because it's not about your suffering and you getting a reward, is it? No. Jesus died on the cross and we are his reward. I'm looking right now, look at this multi ethnic group. Look at this precious people that we have today. You are Jesus' reward. Because Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 said, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And now he is set down at the right hand of God. We look unto Jesus as we see him do that, right? You're the reward. Now, there's more reward that Jesus deserves. And so you are sent to suffer for the sake of other people becoming Jesus' reward. Amen? That's that's the Moravian church. And so what that turned into, did you know that the Moravian church led John Wesley to Christ? There would be no Methodist church or John Wesley revivals if it wasn't for the Moravians that led him to Christ. Next picture. The Pilgrim church. You see, this tells you church history, not the Catholic church history, but the true church history. Because you have uh, the Pilgrim church is every Bible-believing church through history. And that next picture. The Waldensians, John Wycliffe, and the Lollards, Jan Huss and the Hussites, the Bohemian Brethren, the Anabaptists, the Baptists, the Moravians, the Methodists, it's all in this book called The Pilgrim Church, which means you and I were not necessarily Protestants. We didn't come out of the Catholic Church. We've always been with the Bible, right? And the Catholic Church got messed up because it became a political system where Rome started to dominate with politics. But the Bible says that we're not involved in the politics of this world. We belong to the kingdom of God, which is in, another, in heaven. And so there's a pilgrim church that never bore allegiance to Rome or some other place. We bear allegiance to Jesus Christ, right? And that's the pilgrim. You got to get this book. You know, all these books are on Amazon, by the way. And y'all can get this list after class if you need to write down some you missed. Because the next picture talks about uh, the, the Waldensians. These are people that lived in the year 1100, 1200, many hundreds of years before Martin Luther, and they memorized the Bible because the Catholic Church would not let them have the Bible. And so they used to memorize the Bible, and they used to quote each other the Bible because they couldn't have a bible and they're amazing believers our heritage next picture and then you have this book called clouds of witnesses which this book tells you who are the key christians who have lived in where africa and asia amen cuz we always hear about the white guys don't we <laughs> we always hear about these heroes oh so and so went to africa This person went to Asia. Well, what about the Africans and the Asians? They're the heroes who took on Jesus Christ in the face of persecution and let love transform their culture through them. You want to know who they are? Read this book right here, Cloud of Witnesses. And next picture, Ambassadors for Christ. Right? Here it is. This is a good illustrated book where you have lots of pictures. You know? There we go. Because I like, I like photos, you know. I like picture, picture book. And so this tells you who are the key Christians in every single continent except for Antarctica. Right? <laughs> Six continents. Uh, and, and what are their stories in a magazine style spread where you can get more information on the, the resources they're using. Next picture. And then we have the lost history of Christianity. So this book talks about how Nestorius went out and planted churches in China in the year 600. So 600 years after Christ, there were Christians in China before there were Christians in Germany. The Germans were still pagan, the Saxons. And and Jesus Christ was all over China because of Nestorius. And then there was a persecution against Christians in China... These Nestorians planted churches in Uzbekistan and Kyrgyzstan that I've been to before with our Greater Grace churches. And there's there's Nestorian Christian graves in Central Asia that date back to the 700s and the 800s. But you know what happened? After the persecution of those Christians, God rose up a man that helped to break the persecution and to give freedom of religion in China, in Mongolia, in Central Asia. His name was Genghis Khan. And in this, in this book, you find out that Genghis Khan was an evil man. But after Genghis Khan died, the followers of Genghis Khan's empire gave freedom of religion. Amen? <laughs> yeah. That's what we're looking for. huh? Genghis Khan, his kingdom gave freedom of religion. And many of Genghis Khan Mongolians and Central Asians came to Jesus Christ in the year 11, 1200, 1300, 1400. It's in this book called lost history of Christianity. All right, by Philip Jenkins. Next picture, by their blood. Now, this is most important because we always hear about people who were martyrs for Jesus Christ, people who had to die because they were standing for Jesus Christ, Uh, Polycarp, Perpetua, you know, Ignatius. But we never hear who died for Christ as a martyr for Jesus Christ In the last 100 years only. Because in the 20th century, more people died for Christ than all the centuries combined previous. And this will tell you, this is a a library of every single nation who died for Christ in Vietnam, who died for Christ in Cambodia. The last 100 years by their blood, by James and Marty Heffler. Uh, Next picture. And then we have an incredible testimony, because who was the first American, after America was a new nation, and America had never sent out its own missionaries? Who was the first American missionary sent out from America to a foreign nation? A freed slave, amen? George Lyle, in the year 1807, was a freed slave from Virginia, went to LFBI Bible College of his day, right? And after he was trained, they sent him to Jamaica, right? And, you know, most, when you study church history, most people will say to you, the first American missionary was Adoniram Judson, who went to Burma, and he did a great job leading many Burmese came to Jesus Christ in the year 1812, we got a black man who beat him by five years. Amen. Amen. All right? We got a freed African slave who had the love of Jesus Christ so transformed. This is not a religion. This is a transformation. And he led Jamaica to Christ. George, get this book by David Shannon. Next, next book. C.T. Studd. All right. Now, C.T. Studd was the Patrick Mahomes of his day. Isn't that right, Brandon? You've read the story. He played cricket, right? The real sport, amen, right? <laughs> Crick, cricket's more exciting than this Chiefs, right? The Kansas City Chiefs, right? Cricket, right? Before baseball, right? Because baseball is boring, but this is exciting. <laughs> so he was the most famous cricket player of the 1800s of, of Britain. And he used to knock the six every time, amen, hit the four all the way back to the wall. So he came to Jesus Christ at an evangelistic meeting with D.L. Moody. And he received Jesus, and he was so transformed that Jesus would love him. What a drunk and a sinner he was, and he changed his life by Jesus Christ. He said, I'm going to quit playing cricket, and God has called me to China. And he went as a missionary with seven of his friends from uh, Cambridge University. And they all went to China. And they led many of Mankitt's family to Christ back in the day, right? And they loved the Chinese people. But you know what? All the people in Britain said, C.T. Cr- Studd, you're crazy. You're Patrick Mahomes, man. You got to go win the Super Bowl again, right? And C.T. Studd said, no, no, that's, those rewards are, te- those, those are vain, Right? Those are empty things. But I'm going to go for souls to be touched by Jesus Christ's love. And he led many Chinese to Christ. And after many years, C.T. Studd came back to England, and he was preaching in the churches. He got sick. He was 55 years old, but he looked like he was 70-some years old. And C.T. Studd was sick, and he heard a message in England about the need for missionaries in a part of Africa where cannibals were living. They said, who's going to reach the cannibals? And, and no one would volunteer. And C.T. Stud was angry. Why will no one go to the cannibals? And God says, C.T. Stud, you, I'm calling you to go to the cannibals of Africa. And, of course, C.T. Studd was so sickly, right? He was so ugly-looking as a 55-year-old guy that as he went to Africa, the cannibals weren't even tempted to eat him, right? (laughs) And so his doctor said, don't go. His wife said, don't go. His wife came later, amen? He went, and from the age of 55 years old until the age of 85 years old, he lived 30 more years. The doctor said, you're going to die in six months. He was bicycling through North Africa, winning cannibals to Christ as a sickly old man for 30 years. That's why you got to get this book, C.T. Studd, written by his son-in-law. Next picture. This is what he said. C.T. Studd said this. Some want to live within the sound of a church chapel bell, but I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Isn't that good? Where do you want to live? Huh? Right next to the church. Amen. Live next to the church for four years, be trained in LFBI, but then go to the yard of, a yard of hell, right? And rescue people next to, people just about to go to hell and stop them. That, that would be a good a way to win people to Christ right here in Kansas City. <laughs> Look for people here in Kansas City who are almost to hell and stop them and say, hey, I'm just a roadblock on your way to hell could you please listen to me for five minutes, right? And look for those people. Because the mark of a great church is what? Not its seating capacity, but is what? Sending capacity. Next picture. Jacob de Chaser went to Japan. You see, Jacob de Chaser, he was a soldier in World War II, and he hated the Japanese. And Jacob de Chazer, when, when the Japanese... Bombed us at Pearl Harbor. You remember the story? There, he joined what's called the Doolittle Raiders, and their story is told in the Ben Affleck film Pearl Harbor. Right? You ever seen Pearl Harbor the movie? He he was in it. I mean, he he was not in it, but but he hated the Japanese so much he went to bomb Tokyo. He and he dropped his bombs. He said, "You guys bombed us. We're going to bomb you." The problem was the gas tank of the airplane ran out and. He crashed down and fell into the Japanese hands. And he parachuted out of his airplane, and the Japanese caught him. And they said, why are you bombing us? Well, you bombed us first, you know, the hatred. And they put him in a POW camp for five years, and he hated the Japanese, being beaten by the Japanese every day in jail. Till one day in the POW jail, he got a Bible, amen? Amen. And he was reading the Bible because there was nothing else to do. And he was reading about Jesus. He thought, why did I ever reject Jesus? When I was a young man, I heard about Jesus, but I thought it was nothing. I rejected it. Now I need Jesus Christ. And he said, Jesus, will you forgive me? And he heard Jesus speak to him in the jail. I'll forgive your sins. Now you forgive the Japanese their sins. And he said, no way. God, you know what the Japanese did. And God says, I died on the cross for all the Japanese people. And you love the Japanese. And the next, he said, okay, Lord, you said it. I, I don't feel it, but I'll obey. The next morning, the Japanese guard, you'll see in this story, opens up the jail cell, comes to beat him. He says, hey, stop. Before you beat me, what's your name? Huh? And do you have a wife and family? I want to pray for your family. And the guard couldn't beat him because he thought, what happened to you? You're asked, you want to know me? You want to pray for me? And he developed a relationship with the Japanese guards. He started a Bible study in the POW camp, and he started leading people to Jesus Christ, Japanese and prisoners. And one day, the war was finished. He got out of the jail. He went back to America, and he went to LFBI, amen? He went to Bible college, And after he went to Bible college, he was graduating Bible college. He found a wife. He found a girl in Bible college to marry him. And he said, when we get married, we're going to go back to Japan. Everybody said, why would you? Those are the people who abused you. He said, God has called me to love the Japanese people. And he went back to Japan and lived. He lived in Japan for the next 30, 40 years. And he started preaching. People would come from miles around, thousands of people. Come hear the man. Who was our prisoner? And now he forgives us. Who is this Jesus that he's preaching? And then one day, an old man, an old Japanese man came to his meeting. Next picture. Uh, His name is Mitsuo Fuchida. So you can get this guy's book, right? It's called, uh, what, From Pearl Harbor to Calvary. Because Mitsuo Fuchida, he came to Jacob DeShazer. He says, do you forgive me? Please forgive what I did to your people. Jacob said, what did you do? Sure, Jesus will forgive anything. Mitsua Fuchida says, and Pearl Harbor, I was the lead pilot. I bombed Pearl Harbor and I hated America, but now I have come to Jesus Christ and I want you to forgive me. I, so Mitsua Fuchida says, I started World War II. I started it. And look at how many people died in World War II. I started it. Could Jesus forgive me? Yes, Jesus could forgive even that. And Mitsuo Fuchida became a preacher. And Jacob de Chazer and Mitsuo Fuchida would travel together saying, Oh, Japanese people, listen to me. We have rejected God. We have rejected Jesus. Let us turn to him. He'll forgive us. And people would listen to their general, Mitsuo, And they would turn. See, this is back in the 40s and the 50s where thousands of Japanese were coming to Christ. You go to Japan today, it's not the case. Right? But... You can remind them of that generation. Next picture. There they are, Jacob de and Mitsuo Fujita, with the Bible together. You can Google all these names. You can get these pictures. Next picture. Then Louis Zamperini did the same. There's a movie called Unbroken by Angelina Jolie, and he became a missionary back to the Japanese with the same story. Next picture. Fire Road. Now, this is about Vietnam. Now, the most famous picture that came out of the Vietnamese war was this girl named Kim Phuc. And she was burned by napalm fire when she's eight years old. And she lived about an hour outside of Saigon where we're going to plant a church. And and Kim writes this book called Fire Road because it was a mistake. The the firebomb was dropped on her by mistake. And it burned her clothes off. But let's look at the next picture. Here she is today. So when she got into college and she was in Saigon, Ho Chi Minh City, she met a Christian on the streets, the same streets that we've walked together in Ho Chi Minh City, and the guy gave her a Bible. She started reading a Bible. She came to church when she was in college, and she became a Christian. Now, before she became a Christian, the communists used to use her as a mockingjay like in The Hunger Games. Because the communists were ruling Vietnam, and they wanted to prove to Cuba and to the Soviet Union and all the communist nations, look what the Americans and the capitalists have done to this woman. They burnt her with fire. Because what happened was an American was on the radio saying, the enemy's over there. And then there was a South Vietnamese pilot that dropped the bomb by mistake. And so the communists wanted to use her as a mockingjay, right? You've seen the Hunger Games? And they wanted to prove that this this girl, look, we communists are caring for this girl. We're We're helping with the skin grass. But then she came to Jesus Christ. And Kim started sharing Jesus Christ with the leaders of the Communist Party of Vietnam who were caring for her. Like her uncles, right? And she preached Jesus to the prime minister of Vietnam back in the 80s and the 90s. And all the Communist Party heard about Jesus Christ because of this girl, who is now, she got set free from Vietnam, and she's in Toronto, Canada. (laughs) And she is an evangelist. She's like the Billy Graham of Canada to the Vietnamese refugees. And so one day, towards the end of her story, like she's still alive up there, but she was invited to speak at the Vietnamese memorial in Washington, D.C. You ever been there in in D.C. and seen the Vietnamese wall? with all the names on the wall, those who died. And so she spoke to all the veterans. And and they said, that's the girl. We thought she died. We remember her picture when she was burned. She's alive. And she said, oh, you veterans, thank you for serving my country. I know that you meant well. Thank you for trying to set my country free. But I want you to let you know that Jesus Christ is the only one that can set us free. And she preached Jesus Christ to the American vets. And one old man came up to her after she preached, and it's in this book. And he said, can you forgive me? I'm the man. His name is John Plummer. He said, I'm the man who called in the fire napalm on you. It was a mistake. I had the radio. I thought the enemy was there, and it was you. Can you forgive me? He said, when I left the Vietnamese war, I became a drunkard. I was so guilty that I had hurt so many Vietnamese that I I married a wife, I got divorced. I got a second wife, I got divorced. And this man, John Plummer, says, when I met my third wife, she was a crazy Christian. And my third wife led me to Jesus Christ, and I got saved. And he went to Bible college also. He became a Methodist pastor. And John Plummer met Kim, and he said, can you forgive me? And she said, of course I can forgive you. It's the Jesus Christ that forgave me. And together, they're preaching Jesus Christ. You see, I'm just giving you some clues today. If you ever had a doubt that Jesus Christ was the only way, what other way is there that could produce a transformation of love, forgiving your enemies, wholeness? Next picture. And the same thing happened in Cambodia, where you have those who've died for Christ. Bethany and I were able to plant a church the last four years In Cambodia where there were killing fields. And there was a genocide. But then Christians rose up and are rebuilding the nation of Cambodia. And now it's living fields. Next picture. uh, Happened with these pastors in Cambodia. Next picture. And if you get this book, The Case for Grace. Lee Strobel goes through the 12 worst sinners that he could think of. And they were changed by Jesus Christ. Because only a case, only grace could be the case. By the way, all of you are grace cases here today. You're all a grace case. Ain't nothing going to help you but grace. You're all grace case. Next picture. And then you have Afghanistan. Now, today in the news, we hear Afghanistan, Afghanistan. This book will tell you in the 1940s and 50s and 60s, churches that were planted in Afghanistan that you never heard about by the missionary J. Christy Wilson. More to be desired than gold by J. Christy Wilson, They planted a church in Kabul, and in the early, 1971, they started to destroy the church. And the pastor stood before the Afghan government in 1971. He said, if you destroy this church, God's going to overthrow your government. That night, there was a coup, and the Afghan government was overthrown by communists in the 70s. And the, the Afghan government was so paranoid about the church, they destroyed the church building, But then after the building, the church was destroyed, they started digging 8 feet under, 12 feet under. They said, why are you digging underneath the church? They said, we heard there was an underground church. (laughs) So we're digging under the church to see where the underground church is, right? That's all in this book right here. And so the, the key Afghan disciple, one of the key Afghan pastors in the 1960s was a blind boy named Zia Nordat. Next picture. So he's called the Afghanistan's Apostle Paul. You have to get this book uh, for the purpose of that story because you read an Afghan blind boy who could read Braille and read the Bible, and he became a pastor. Uh, Amazing story. Next picture. Uh, We're almost finished. When you look at Africa, you have people who went to Africa Got malaria and died. So Roland Bigham, you have to get this story. Was going to Africa. All of his friends died of malaria. He went back. He was the only one to survive. He went on a second missionary team. They all died of malaria. He's the only one to survive. A third time, the third team. He kept on coming back to America, raising up more missionaries, and he'd take them to the. They went to the Congo. They went to North Africa, and he'd take the missions team, and they would all die, and he would always be the last one to survive he'd come back to his church in America, he'd say, who wants to go next, right? (laughs) And he kept on getting volunteers. See, only a person who knows victory in Jesus, they're not afraid to die. They want to die for others so that others can hear about Jesus Christ. That's going into Africa. Next picture. And then you have no turning back with Herbert Brings. And so Herbert Grings is the father-in-law of Daryl Chaplin, And he went to the Congo, and the the whole ship went down in, in the ocean. They lost everything, but they went to the Congo with nothing. They get into the Congo. His wife dies. They have a funeral for his wife, and all the Congolese gather together to see the funeral, and they don't believe in Jesus. But when they see the family weeping for the mother who had died, the children were there, and they stand with victory. They say, we're not afraid of death. I know my mother's in heaven. And all you Africans need Jesus because she came here so that you would know Jesus. And she died right there in Africa. And all the Africans started coming to the missionary, to the father, saying, we, we want to turn to Jesus Christ because we see how you handle death. And the whole tribe came to Christ. The little girl who her mother died was the one that won them to Christ through her testimony that she was not afraid of death. As a little girl, her mother died and went to heaven and then the little girl grew up to be a missionary in Suriname with the next picture, uh, next slide. There's a, there's a YouTube video I want you to look up. It's called Love with Shoes On, and this is a message that Brandon and I have heard in our church at KCBT. Daryl Champlin preached this message, and it's on YouTube from 1998, when me and Brandon go back to the 90s, you know? And so look this up, Love with Shoes, because he talks about taking these Congolese uh, Christians and then going into Suriname and he started working with witch doctors and he said he met some witch doctors who could call out lightning from a clear sky and crack the lightning would come because of their witch doctor power and so they challenged him the missionary Daryl Champlin to a fire dance and they set up a fire and these guys would just fire dance and their feet would not be hurt and so the the white missionary named Daryl Champlin He said, you know, he was raised a Baptist, and he never learned to dance. But he said he danced some kind of dance in that fire that day, right? And he danced to the fire, and the next day his feet were not burned. And a lot of the people from the tribe came to Jesus Christ because of that. And you can hear the story if you go to YouTube and look at this, right? Next picture. This woman went to Africa. She was single, and and she was hoping to get a husband, and so as she was in Africa, she said I'm going in, I'm not going to stay on the coast. All the missionaries stay near the beach. I'm going to go inland. And she could not find a man willing to go to the inland. And she and she started church this woman started churches, amen. And what did she say? This is one of your favorite missionaries, Brandon. This this woman Mary Slessor said because the men said, "What are you doing as a woman? You're not a pastor. You can't start churches." And Mary Slessor says, As soon as one of you men have the guts to come inland, I'll give you the pulpit right away. (laughs) But until you come, I got the pulpit. The woman said that, right? And she was hoping, she got engaged. But the man who got engaged to be married to her said, I don't want to come inland. It's too dangerous. She said "The, the engagement is cut off. And she lived single, amen? For the sake of people coming to Jesus Christ, she lived single, you know? And you can have joy as a single person because Jesus Christ is every, all that love that you need. Next picture. R.G. LaTerna was a man, he was not called to go overseas to do missionary work. God called him to do ministry in America, and he invented, you're looking at the man who invented the earth moving equipment of construction. Did you know everybody who does construction today? has a lot of equipment to move the earth. He invented that machinery, and he was a Christian. You know what he said to God, mover of men and mountains? He said, God, if you bless me in my business, I will give you 90% of my money, and I will live on 10%. How many of you like that? Where's their class in FBI about that? <laughs> live, why don't you, if, if God's called you, there are many of you who say, I'm not going to go to Vietnam with Man Kit." I'm not going to go to Kenya. You know. By the way, we need some missionaries to go to Nairobi, don't we? Who's who's there waiting in Nairobi, Jeanette, and many people are waiting. Who's going to go to Africa? We need. We got. We got Living Faith Vietnam, and soon we're going to have Living Faith Kenya, right? And but those some of you are not called to go. By the way, did you know that Andrew Ong is out raising support for Vietnam today? But, you know, Foam and Mankit, they're also going to... Who's going to support them, right? There could be people in this class. You're not called to go to Vietnam, but I want to challenge you to give to Mankit and Foam, right? They're going to need some money to live in Vietnam. Andrew Ong is going to raise money, right? And there's other people going to Vietnam. We need to give our money. How about let's all give 90% of our money, amen? <laughs> because you can live on 10%, right? Nah. Just start with 50% is enough. <laughs> All right? I'm going to move quickly. Next picture, and we're almost done. Uh, Richard Wormbrand started Voice of the Martyrs. He was in prison for 14 years in Romania. He, the communists put him in prison. He's suffering in prison for, in solitary confinement, and he's a pastor. He has messages. So he says to God, God, please renew my mind. Remember the Bible. I want to preach the Bible. He has no one in the jail. So he makes up a sermon. You know how Brandon, you know how we like to make up sermons, right? We just, point number one, point number two. So Richard Wormbrand is sitting in prison. He says, God, I'm going to make up a three-point sermon from the book of Mark chapter 14. And he said, the points you're giving me from what I've memorized, I want you to speak this word to another man who's in a prison somewhere in solitary confinement somewhere in the world and God honored his prayer. When he was traveling in Canada after he was free, he met a pastor in Canada, and he said, I was in prison in Cuba, and this guy was in prison in solitary confinement, and he said, the sermon that you mentioned that you came up with in jail, I heard that sermon when I was sitting in jail one day. And God gave me those same three points and a poem. No. <laughs> the same three points in a hymn. Like, God, the Holy Spirit, took Richard Wormbrand's prison message and sent it by the Holy Spirit because there was no internet that day. There was no podcast, right? (laughs) But the podcast was the Holy Spirit, amen? And the Holy Spirit gave the same words to another guy in prison because this pastor was isolated. Next picture, uh, Planet of Slums. So I think I'll finish with this because I have many more books to show with you and I've gotten to most of them. But if you guys want to come up to me after the sermon's over, you can come and look at some of these books. Uh, I'm not a library, but you can, you can order these books on Amazon. But this, this book I want to finish with is <clears throat> when we went to Mumbai, and you'll see the same thing if you go to Nairobi, and you'll see the same thing, right, when you go to Ho Chi Minh City, because when you went to Vietnam, I remember last time, you guys found a place where they had orphans and they had street people, the, the whole world is full of what? It's a planet of slums. And this is the place to love people. Because when I got to India, you know, you know what happened to me in India? I joined a church in Mumbai, and they were all upper-class people who spoke English. And they had their high-rise apartments. And I said, well, who, does anybody go into the Chal system across the street? They, no, we, we don't want to go to those people, you know. And, they, and I said, I want to go into the slum. I want to go into the Chal system. They said, hey, Douglas, they they gave me a warning. They said, if you go into those slums, you should be careful of the motivation of those people because you don't know the motivation of those people. I said, what are you talking about? The only person that I should worry about the motivations is, is myself. What are my motivations? Because I know everyone's motivations are bad, right? But Jesus didn't stopped dying for us because we had bad motivations. Jesus went to us right where we are and said, I know you have bad motivations, but I want to love you and change you and transform you. And we saw entire slums touched by Jesus. People transformed when we lived in Mumbai, India, because we went into the slums. We sat with the people. Can you believe it? Bethany sat and had food with the people and she loved on the the ladies and, and hugged them and Touched them, you know, some of the untouchable cat, the Dalits and the untouchables. And Bethany touched them, helped them with their diseases because she's a nurse. And she loved the people more than I love the people. Like, Pastor Ganesh was amazed. Like, wow. She said, send us, a, Pastor Ganesh said, send a hundred more Bethanys to India, you know? And, and I want you all to come back with us. Like, as we go back to India in the year 2022, please send another team to help us out because there's so many people. And I, especially some of you all, you know, like I, I love the fact that you've come here from India and you've come here. You make our nation so much better. Thank you for coming. You know, we love every ethnic to come, every background to come, because it's all the family of God, you know. And so maybe we can go to where you're from someday, you know. We can go. We can, I know a lot of you guys have gone where you're all from, you know, up in Telangana, right. And so let's go there. Let's pray for that now. Let's pray. That God would call some of us to be overseas missionaries. Let's pray that we would get behind those who go and give money to help them. Let's pray that as we're reaching people here in America, that we can drop some clues. And and pray for me because I want to start a new podcast called Clues of God, right? That I'm going to drop clues for people to see that Jesus Christ is the only way. And these are stories that, that are great clues for that. So let's pray for that. Let's ask God to send us forth now in the name of Jesus. So, dear Father God, I pray we bow our heads and we close our eyes and we give our hearts to, to Jesus Christ's love. We thank you that you've covered us with forgiveness, God. You've covered us with, with your, your righteousness. Jesus, you have righteousness, and we, don't, we can never be good enough. So thank you that you gave us your righteousness and that you've called us to go and reach other people. You've transformed us, and you've given us a rich church history. Thank you for church history that you've done movements, and today it's our turn. The baton is passed to us. This is our leg of the race. We're in the Olympics, we're running, we're dashing through the race. Lord, thank you that the baton has been passed to Kaya class, to all the souls here today. And if there's anyone here today if you don't know, if there's someone here today, you do not know 100% that Jesus Christ has transformed your heart, you, you're waiting to take that decision, maybe you're thinking about God, and you want to pray today. I want you to come up to Pastor Brandon Briscoe, or come up to myself and say, pray for me. I want to receive Jesus to transform my heart, because it's not a religion today, it's God will be your friend today, amen? Amen. And so pray that today, say, "Dear Jesus, forgive my sins, transform me. I want to belong to God and and talk to the pastor, Pastor Brandt. Talk to me, uh, talk to my wife Bethany today. And we want to thank God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen." We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in His Word. For more information about Kaya. For service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.li.com.